0: Hi,
1: you guys
2: want some cookies? Cookies, cookies, cookies. Welcome to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my buzzy, oh,
1: buzzy. buzzy, Bosom buddy, Bobby Castro. Hey, Bob. Hey. <laughs> Dan, award-winning, rough start. award-winning bosom buddy friend, how are you tonight?
2: I'm good. Second show of the night.
1: It is. You are drinking uh, Red Bull and vodka still, right?
2: No, that was the first one okay. just to get loose uh, because I did have an early quote-unquote call time today, mm, Bob. Mm. Uh, I've now moved on to just straight-up uh, bubbly soda water.
1: I do like bubbly. I think it's taken over for LaCroix here in L.A. Yeah, I
2: think it's it's coming for the crown um,
1: I'm gonna keep drinking Mind Haze IPA by Firestone Walker Brewing Company. Mm, A little plug classic. there, Firestone Walker. You want to come sponsor the Throwback Pod? We're open.
2: We're always open for business. <laughs> um, speaking of business, thank you to everyone on Patreon.com/slash Pod for supporting this fine show.
1: You guys are the best. I mean, Incredible everybody listening people. is everybody listening is pretty great, but the Patreones are the best
2: absolutely you know who else i like
1: you know who? Who i like i who? like the people on our reddit we have a little subreddit
2: how's the subreddit doing it's popping
1: yeah it's a little, little i'm gonna poppin'. check in on that subreddit here's what's good about this it. week people share music and they introduced me to a band i had never heard before that i fucking love been called sports team
2: sports team
1: yeah and somebody posted about them
2: sports team yeah that is an interesting band name
1: yeah really good kind of like a parquet court kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, but thank you to the people on the subreddit, which is our throwback pod.
2: Okay, there you go. So yeah. check that out. Uh, also, of course, throwback pod on Twitter, uh, throwback pod on Instagram. We got the connection to the people. Hey, I was thinking, Bob, um, I meant to say this last episode, but I'm going to bring it up here. Um, you know that asshole <laughs> that got hired by SNL?
1: Yes. What was his name? Shane Gillis, Gillis? I believe. Gillis. Gillis. Yeah.
2: So he essentially—I mean—it's almost every comedian's dream to get cast on Saturday Night Live and become a um, a part of that, you know, venerable program.
1: Is that what SNL stands for? I never put that together.
2: <laughs> it's every every comic stream. Mm-hmm. This guy gets on it. Mm-hmm. Turns out he has and follow follow along here, Bob. He also had a side podcast, this little side podcast project that no one listened to. At all. Uh, where he said a bunch of racist shit. Racist shit.
1: Yes. Mostly Asian-based? Yeah, he was Coming very, after the Asians? He seems to be going old. after the Asians a lot. The Jews a little bit, but mostly the Jews Asians. Jews took a little heat? Yeah.
2: But the Asians seemed to get the brunt of it?
1: The Jews always get caught in the crossfire.
2: <laughs> Point being, he got fired because after the hire announcement was made, People very quickly. I don't know who did this, and it's fine that they did it. I don't care. Definitely uh, an if enemy. You're a whistleblower on this. Yeah,
1: definitely an enemy of his that was ready for this.
2: Okay, that's that makes sense. It did make me think like who would go out of their way to dig this up and bury him? I guess someone that believed he deserved it and had it coming. Well,
1: comedians are a very jealous bunch, so I'm I'm sure somebody who felt like they they deserve to be on SNL. So I
2: think you know where this is going, Bob. We have a podcast that no one listens to. Correct. Uh, we are both aspiring to have our big breaks. By
1: the way, we say that no one listens to this. I guarantee we have a hundred times the listeners than that guy's podcast has.
2: So by that logic, do we have a hundred times the risk that we've said something stupid that will ruin our life on this show?
1: Oh, I mean, you do. I don't. I'm fine. You should definitely be worried. Like when I heard this whole controversy, I didn't think about me at all. I'm fine. You were the first person that came into my head as like... Dan should probably take this as a lesson.
2: I have no Asian hot takes <laughs> at all. That's a good thing. I feel like on the subject of race relations, I'm totally in the clear with this podcast. <laughs> There's, you can't come after me. Now, maybe there are other things. I, I might have to go through every one of our episodes and mm-hmm. just scrub it before I get cast on SNL or something similar.
1: Right. I mean, we did go really hard early on after the indigenous peoples. Of America.
2: We were very pro-Columbus pro Day, <laughs> and I hope that our enemies do not find that no, particular no, episode. No, no, no.
1: Don't go back to the yeah, yeah, yeahs episode, for sure.
2: <laughs> um, all right. This is one of our episodes that celebrates, Bob, the listeners.
1: Yes, the Patreonies. Every month, we throw up a poll that the patrons can vote on for $6 a month or more. You get a vote. And this month, we're actually celebrating A very special Patrione, the one and only Bruno, the sponsor. That guy. This guy. What a dude. When we left HeadGum, and by left, I mean we're we're kicked off of the network. (laughs) Guys, we're
2: we're just changing our model, and we are going to get more focused on a few different shows rather than have many shows. And
1: also Dan said some really negative oh, things you. about Native Americans. So we're not comfortable. Hey, Columbus found this nation <laughs> so, and the engines. Could oh no, don't do that. No, don't even okay, say that. Okay, okay. So as uh, so yeah, when we started on Patreon doing this ourselves, we thought that it'd be cool to have a top tier where two people can get ads every month. And uh, this guy named Bruno from Canada was the first one to say, I'm going to drop 80 bones a month on this because I want an ad. And he's still there. He's still our number one that supporter. dude. He is probably the wealthiest guy on the planet. Honest, <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, Who else would do such a
2: thing? I mean, if he's married, if he has kids, let's just hope the wife doesn't know doesn't about this. Doesn't
1: ever find out. Well, no, Bruno's single, remember? We oh, he, date Bruno. Like, did we, we were, get Bruno laid? I can't remember. I assume so. That has to be why he's still doing this. <laughs> but Bruno has been our sugar daddy for over a year now, so we decided to honor him by letting him choose four albums for the other Patreonies to vote on. So Bruno came back, and here's what we came down to. Collective Souls, self-titled album. Holes, Celebrity Skin. These
2: were his choices.
1: Yep. The Cranberries, No Need to Argue, and Sheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club.
2: Interesting choices, Bruno. I like it.
1: And Bruno, by the way, has like... Eclectic. Eclectic. In the past, he's hit us up about doing Rancid and Pulp, so this guy definitely has... A very eclectic taste in music, but these were the ones that he threw our way. The Patreonies voted, and obviously the Cranberries, no need to argue, won. Narrowly beating out whole Celebrity Skin. How narrow? Well, the Cranberries got 31% of the vote. Celebrity Skin had 27%. Sheryl Crow had 25%. And Collective Soul bringing up the rear with 17%.
2: That doesn't surprise me. Does anyone, and I like many Collective Soul songs but is anybody hankering to revisit Collective Soul as we near the Roaring Twenties section people, of this century?
1: Uh, I'm hoping it's the Boring Twenties, Dan. After this this, <laughs> this clusterfuck <laughs> of the teens, I wanted it to be boring. I've been saving that one. That one's been holstered up.
2: You're going to die alone.
1: This is brutal. I really have to think about this was the first comment. So yeah, this is a tough one for a lot of people. It was a very close one, but there were people pounding the table. Dominic... Bon Vesuto, he's your buddy. What's up? Yeah, name? my boy. Yeah. Dom. He said, I will stop listening to the pod if Collective Soul wins.
2: Here's a fun fact Dom uh, Bonifesuto. Yep. Hope I'm pronouncing it right. Is Peter King's personal editor, the oh, wow. iconic NFL writer. How about that? There's a little throwback pod nug for you. Look
1: at us. We got all the heavy hitters. So, yeah. Bon so, Vesuto. That's, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I got nervous reading it out loud. But, um, yeah, he said he would never listen man. to the pod again if Collective Soul wins. So we still <laughs> we safe. still have Dom here listening to You us.
2: know what I like? I like um, The World I Know is a Banger. Remember no, Precious Decoration? I, be <coughs> <excited>. I, would, <coughs>
1: I would like to do that album. But Shine? Still, I really thought Sheryl Crow was going to win. It came down to the end. Hmm. But uh, Are we still talking about this? No, we don't have to. You're reading. So, Were you just looking at something while I was talking? No, I
2: just feel like we've been talking about this for like 20 minutes now.
1: Well, let's talk about something else.
2: Okay. What?
1: What's on your phone? What are you looking at?
2: I'm sending out a Instagram, I'm um, promoting the show as I do tires, tirelessly. <laughs> tirelessly.
1: <laughs> That's true. Uh, I can't believe I doubted you ever. <laughs> So let's talk about the one that won, cranberries. No need to argue, Dad. Oh, you haven't gotten to that yet. I'm waiting for you. Holy shit, Bob! I'm waiting. I'm I'm doing that thing that you want me to do. Vamping. Yes. No. This this wasn't a bit, uh, maybe. <laughs> I should have been more clear. I didn't want you to
2: vamp. Oh. I wanted you to just carry the show for oh, a couple minutes. no! I was vamping. while I was just coasting.
1: I was vamping. Okay. Got it. See, we need to get the hang of this thing. We've only done like 90 episodes. Oh my god. I mean,
2: and and Shell Crow <laughs> had many percentage you very, points. You
1: looked very How many percentage you very points? Very distracted. Well, now I'm
2: going to tell you. You were,
1: well, oh, that was good vamping by me. So, collective I'm okay with that. Soul I feel good about what I did. Christian Rock. <laughs> I feel good about what I did. I don't think they are Christian Rock. Dom gets brought up. I Let's mean, Let's go back amazing. to October 3rd, 1994, Dan. Needless vamping cranberries no need to argue stop
2: saying that
1: let's talk about october 1994 okay
2: what was going on in october 94
1: gary larson announced he was done with the far side comics
2: okay i, I, I could not care less really oh yeah.
1: i yeah. never read a comic seemed a little highbrow for you i feel like uh,
2: a, little a over comic book yeah not even a comic book. like the comic pages Yeah, the comics. Or is that still a thing the funnies <laughs>
1: <laughs> the funnies <laughs> in the, the newspaper. Funnies.
2: You you are you're such an American. You're I like had a, a working class man.
1: I had a mug, a Far Side mug, for uh, Midvale School for the Gifted, where the kid is pushing on the pull door. It was very funny. Uh,
2: oh yeah, that was like the comic was like all about small town life and no, the it working was all, grind and everything. Not at all.
1: It was one off jokes that are really funny, even to this day. You know what? After we're done with this, I'm gonna make you look no, at some Far Side no, comics. No, 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 no. Also in October 19. I'm going to bed. Also in October 1994. <laughs> Uh, A little movie came out, directed by Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. Yes. And you and I both know exactly what went down the day that Pulp Fiction came out.
2: It was the first time that you pleasured yourself to completion.
1: Probably not too far off, but (laughs) it was a different first. It was my first fist fight. It was that day. It was that very day.
2: Wow, that's fascinating. Because we went
1: to see Pulp Fiction that night, and I remember sitting there, in the movie theater,
2: my hand hurts.
1: My hand hurts. I'm a little distracted. <laughs> I'm gonna have a fat lip on Monday, but holy shit, I broke the dude's arm. So we're okay.
2: Yes. Yeah. So
1: I was very distracted watching. Well, you didn't
2: break the dude's arm.
1: Now let me let me. All right. So, so are we gonna relitigate
2: this? We'll relitigate it, but I'm in, and I'm not gonna be throwing um, arrows at you. But I will say that um, this particular gentleman, that it was a planned fist fight at the elementary school. Um, I believe we hit this before. This might be a story no, we never actually got into it. I okay. we,
1: we started one day and we never got into it.
2: No, I, let's stick a pin into it. <laughs> That's what
1: we did last. A- a- time. Let's stick a pin in yeah, it. We'll and then when in. we
2: get to a, a bad cranberry song, we'll but talk anyway,
1: about. I remember watching Pulp Fiction, being distracted and being like, I don't understand what's happening. And then like a year later, it became my favorite movie and made me like a bit of a film nerd because it was fucking amazing.
2: Yes, I'm. I to this day, I remember distinctly feeling the same way, not liking the movie. Just because I was I was so it was so different. Right. And it was so like cool and it was like California cool in all the ways that I had no connection to in my life at that time. Yep. And I just didn't get it. And it gets me mad because I really wish I was a kid that a teenager that saw that and understood how important and special that movie was. Uh, but that came later. And now it, it might later. be my favorite movie. Yeah, at
1: least you got it later. I mean, that was following the summer where I saw Forrest Gump three times in the theater. So it's like, what do you want from me?
2: Yeah. We were what do you just, want from me? We weren't there yet. Right. Yeah. We got there, though. We did. That's the most important of thing. Of
1: course. The number one song, the number one alternative rock song. Oh, I'm When the Cranberries' No Need to Argue came out was this.
2: I love this bass
0: line. <laughs> 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 uh, uh,
2: yes. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Can we just turned this into an R.E.M. podcast. We have to do another R.E.M. podcast. We do. Uh, R.E.M. is absolutely, positively one of my favorite bands ever. Might even be number two behind you two. If not, it's right behind Oasis. I love R.E.M. In fact, I am getting this feeling recently, which is why it's cool that this is coming up right now, that I'm about to fall back into a major R.E.M. wormhole and just get like totally just fall in love all over again with uh, their whole catalog Um, because it's been a while now. It's been... Maybe like eight years or something since they broke up. And um, this was their, this was kind of the beginning of the end in a way uh, of their commercial might. I think this was a, obviously successful as the right. number one alternative chart designation. I don't think they ever preach approach that again. Mm. Maybe that Andy Kaufman
1: song. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, that, that did really, pretty well. It did really
2: well for them. Uh, but this was a, it followed up, it followed um, Automatic for the People, and they came out, it, this was now post-grunge, and all of a sudden, Stipe had the star shirt. You know what this was? This was their head. last
1: legitimately cool song. Yes. And I feel like R.E.M. is one of the most forgotten about bands at this point. Like, I don't think they get nearly... Forgotten? I don't know for- In a forgotten? way, I don't think they nearly they get nearly the respect they deserve. Well, that's true. At this point, I think that we just don't even think about them anymore. Like, like you know, you have like some friends who are like good friends, but you just always forget about them. And you're like, oh yeah, that's name some
2: of them, and then I will (laughs) send this episode to them.
1: Uh, this REM is that friend where you're like, oh yeah, that's like a good friend of mine that I need to catch up with.
2: No one should forget REM because I would say a lot of the bands that you've liked in the last ten years were either directly influenced uh, because of REM or indirectly. I said I, I have a long ongoing disagreement with my wife Emily who doesn't like Michael Stipe's voice which drives me crazy because I think he has an amazing voice a beautiful voice um uh, and I say to her all the music that you like is essentially people that grew up listening to REM it's it's they were that influential mm-hmm. to an entire generation of uh, young alternative rock types
1: let Emily go off and listen to John Mayer I, I, I can
2: I can stump for mayor. Oh yeah, too, yeah. I can't
1: I can't start with that because you're gonna fight for mayor. No, never mind, never mind.
2: I'm not in the mood. mood. I just want to talk about RM. Remember there was that girl Stephanie that we both loved. Uh huh. Um, I do remember being at your house when this song was being played on MTV, and her derisively because uh, she was a big Cobain chick, as I recall, Big Green Day fan too. Big Green Day fan. Yeah. Her derisively, basically kind of calling Michael Stipe a bit of a dinosaur. It's like, oh look, he's trying to look like. Uh, grunge guy now, which I don't think necessarily he was trying to do, but he was they had definitely he had he had uh, toughened up his image a little bit uh, from the previous album cycle.
1: Yeah. From losing my religion. Michael Stipe.
2: losing my religion? Even, uh, you know, everything hurt. Everybody hurts. Yeah, yeah. Michael Stipe. He uh, now he had the shaved head and he was wearing sunglasses and all that stuff. I thought he looked bad.
1: He had that big REM tattoo across his chest. <laughs>
2: That was actually Mark Wahlberg and Fear. Oh, that's right. Um, all right. So there you go. What would be the REM podcast we do?
1: I think it'd be Monster would be fun. I think New Adventures in Hi Fi would be fun because who the hell is ever thinking about that album?
2: Right. That's an amazing album.
1: And it's really good.
2: They well, that album is to me the most prominent example of my Never go longer than thirteen tracks. Roll.
1: Oh yeah, that's a, it's a long
2: one. It's like a sixteen-track album. If they cut four save songs, it, save it. It save is it. the best R.E.M.
1: album, straight up. Save it. But we're not talking about R.E.M. tonight, Dan. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're talking about Bruno's favorite album of all time.
2: Is that true? I don't know. Did you say that during your mistaken vamp session?
1: <laughs> I might have.
2: All right, let's get into it. You know this song, of course. The Irish band, The Cranberries. And one of their big singles, off No Need to Argue. Do you remember the title, Bob?
1: Ode to My Family. That's pretty good.
2: Brogue there. Pretty good, Bob. You from Pearl River? Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful voice on Dolores O'Riordan. Rest in peace. Remember, I was way into her.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Uh, we grew uh, up in the most Irish town of all time, surrounded by young Irish girls. You, an Irish man yourself, an Irish boy at the time. This is right up your fucking alley.
2: Well, she wasn't conventionally my type. She was very petite, very tiny with short hair. But I think it was just that voice and that she was the fronting this big rock band at the time. She had all the, all the ear piercings, which I thought was kind of fun and edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a very pretty
1: song. Yeah, I'm loving hearing it. It's been a while since I've actually listened to the song.
2: You forget, like, their, their biggest songs, and this is one of them, uh, but Linger comes to mind as well. They just sounded so nice. Just nice-sounding songs. And then when they would, they would try to rough it up sometimes, and sometimes it would work, and we'll get to one of the one of those uh, examples, but sometimes it was like, guys, get back in your lane, because yeah, nobody down. even comes close to doing, when you're at your best, in the gel- gentle, lilting, Irish folk rock alternative vibe, mm-hmm. nobody else could do what they did.
1: It's true. It's amazing that this was a big hit. At any point in our in our nation's history. Very like strange. Like it's kind of amazing.
2: Very strange. Whereas when I was young
0: and we didn't give it a Cause we were raised to see life as far. Take it if we can.
2: They kind of had their own. My mother she liked me. Um, they, she had her own, and they had their own kind of grunge vibe. It was like Ireland grunge, <laughs> if it, like the themes of the music. It was a lot of it was coming from a darker place and struggles and you know being disaffected. And like, does anybody care? That's very that's straight up like Cobain Alley. It really is. But it was obviously coming from a different place. Like the B side of the single, Bob, so cold in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and for something is This is the greatest grunge album of all time. For something that sounds like this melodic and pretty in a lot of ways, there is like a darkness to it. Mm-hmm. Like and we'll hear more songs which like that. Which
2: makes it even better. Which
1: makes it even better. It's not like adult contemporary pretty voice. Let's talk let's sing about Ireland. This this has like there's some depth here.
2: She was talented. Uh she committed she overdosed actually she a couple overdosed. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The song was about Dolores' yearning for her simple life as a child after having achieved success. It was her recovering the satellites, Bob. Wow. Uh, And includes a string arrangement composed by. Me? Bono. No. Oh, God, no. Dolores O'Riordan. Oh. Talented young lass. Talented. Do you want to hear something insane? Please. This album sold. Almost 18 million. Copies. Holy
1: fuck. That's a way bigger number than I thought you were going to say.
2: <laughs> what would you have guessed?
1: I mean, at most 11 <laughs> at most.
2: Anyway, we're off to a great eighteen million. It makes sense. It does. We've it, talked about it. Yes. Grew up in a very if you weren't Irish, you were Italian.
1: Uh, no, but you were Irish, though. Like everybody right. was Irish. Right. The, but there the, were a lot of Italian. It was no, no, very Catholic. Not. But it wasn't was even very Irish majority.
2: Was, right. Um, like
1: our grocery store had an irish foods section
2: right shop right um we had a
1: dude in the ira at our saint patrick's day parade support
2: everyone, don't deport brian pearson yeah and everybody was everyone like, had the bumper stick. this is
1: cool and normal
2: and i believe i don't want to get into um, geopolitical talk here <laughs> yes i believe do. he was involved in some type of
1: there was a big a bomb. bombing yes like
2: he had a part in. You know what they call the troubles in Ireland between the Northern Ireland and and the Republic of Ireland, and he was involved in a a violent bombing that led to deaths. And the town, our town, supported him and his freedom, uh, not to get sent back to be, I guess, prosecuted.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: So we were all about that. He w- he was like leading the parade.
1: You say, wait, you and your fellow Irish uh, <gasps> brethren support, don't deport <laughs> Brian Pearson. Was that the same parade where uh, Rich Berger stuck his head out of the back of a car and yelled, Yankees got David Cohn? (laughs) It might have been the same one. I have a very distinct memory of that.
2: That's way off, Bob. Because (laughs) David Cohn was a a trade deadline acquisition in July 1995.
1: They still stuck his stupid head out of the back of a car and yelled that out at us.
2: Maybe he was just like really late with the news. He hadn't heard. Oh, this is a great song. Bruno. You magnificent son of a bitch. All right, here we go. Ladies,
1: ladies, go fuck Bruno in Canada. Be with you. This album sold 18 million copies because I would have assumed that this was a song that only people in Pearl River listened to. So it's good to know that like more people heard this than just us.
2: It was the final single released off the album in the states. Didn't do anything here. Didn't do anything overseas. It was the only single that didn't really uh, rip it up. It seems mm-hmm. it, it didn't even. It wasn't even a big hit in Ireland. It peaked at number 21. But I think this is a really great single and a perfect track, two after Ode to My Family.
1: Which, I mean, we can't move on from Ode to My Family without talking about it. And I know it's come up on the podcast before, but I need to say it again. Strike! Doesn't matter. This is just, we can't do this album without talking about going to a party at uh, our friend Shane's house back in high school. And going, we were, like, in her room. I think there was, like, some, like, high school freshman year drama kind of stuff going on and we were like in a room and there was like a big pile of tapes and we took one of the uh mixtapes right. out and track one was just titled do 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 cranberries cranberries and we thought that was <laughs> that's the how funniest everybody knew it. Thing in the entire world <laughs> that's funny and uh i know jane is listening right now so thank you for that moment
2: i we knew the title because well, yeah, we why watched a ton you? of Alternative Nation, yeah, it was the. And the doo-doo-doo. video was on all the time, so you saw the title, yes. in the credits there, directed by Samuel Bayer. No need to argue.
1: If you were just taping it off the radio, though, it was the. Oh, to my, my family, yes, but yeah. it's
2: just do 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 do. Anyway, great little track two. I like it. Keeps the keeps things moving. It get a little there's a little lightness to that song after the very heavy do 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 do. Uh, which takes us to track three, twenty one, it's called. I've never heard this. Never. It's nice, though. I like it. I like it. Again. Got the whole thing figured out here. This is... They were completely locked in at this stage.
1: It's cool, because they have, like... It's a unique sound, but they also do sound like a lot of things from the time. Like, they sound of the time in a good way, I think.
2: Also, what's interesting with her, usually, and maybe this is just like a, a dumb American take, but...
1: Most of our takes are.
2: Yeah. But a lot of singers that don't hail from here, when they sing, they don't sound like the way they talk. Mm -hmm. We use Liam Gallagher as a perfect example.
1: Uh, Shirley Manson. Another one. Shirley Manson.
2: Can't even understand them uh, as dumb Americans when they speak. But when they sing, you wouldn't even know.
1: It's a reverse Billy Joe Armstrong.
2: (laughs) Yes, basically. Basically. Now, with Dolores O'Riordan, you could hear that Irish accent, the strong oh, yeah. limerick accent.
1: This girl is not American, obviously. Uh,
2: she's keeping it real. Not to say that other artists were, would be hiding their accents, but she can't, even if she tried, it's so strong no, I think, that it's pouring through. I think
1: she's the only authentic artist of the 90s. You see,
2: so you had a wide-open dig to throw at Bono there, and you missed it.
1: I've never heard Bono say I don't really. I tune it out.
2: It's already been established, Bob. You like about 73 U2 songs. All right. That song doesn't really go anywhere, though. I will say that. Yeah. I kept on waiting for it to take off, and it never did. Never took off. So um, that's 21, track three. Track four. Oh, yeah. We know this one, Bob. This song fucking rocks.
1: This song does fucking rock. Like,
2: legitimately... It's hard to believe that this is the same band that did Ode to My Family.
1: Yeah. Just three times.
2: That sounds great. It sounds like in utero. It's like just hard driving guitar, great feedback.
1: And they put it in that money slot, the 3-4 spot. Unbelievable. They do.
2: And she's so she's such a talented vocalist that she you wouldn't think she had it in her, but she was able to kind of turn it up register and give the rock performance vocal that this song needed.
1: This song feels like so authentic to me that it's one of these songs where it could have either been a big hit or nobody would ever hear it because it's too off. Like there's something off about this song.
2: Mm, interesting.
1: It could have easily had missed, but Oh, so easily. For some reason, it just works and it resonates and it was huge. It's also
2: very heavy subject matter. We just mentioned you two, one of their biggest songs ever, Sunday Bloody Sunday. It's the same topic here about what they call the Troubles in Ireland, which was such a, if you were lived in that country in these decades, and things have calmed down in recent decades, thankfully, but like it was such a major po- part of their lives that. They had it was fertile ground, obviously for songwriting, and it does. It's very authentic. This this is about victims of a bombing, of an IRA bondage, bombing. It's legit, and it's like not to be the old guy, but songs that are popular now. Is there any type of heaviness that where you're uh, you're hitting on topics that really matter and t- and delivering it with? I'm sounding like that guy. Yeah,
1: I don't want to elaborate. You're not wrong, but but I'm not I just want elaborate. to say like.
2: Right. It would be cool if there was somebody that came out that had a social conscious or a political conscious. Maybe it's our boy Sam Fender. I don't know. But I don't know. somebody. I
1: like music that well, think, comes think, from a, a right.
2: real heavy place. I
1: think you get that in hip-hop with like Chance the Rapper, and I think that reasons like guys like that stand out is because they're saying something yeah, that matters. I agree with but that. But it's true. Like I can't think of the last like rock artist that really did that.
2: All right, this is a great part. This is so great. I want to bring it back when they get into the guitar solo which is I think one of the better guitar solos of the whole decade. Who's Straight up as a musician I could say that. So
1: the Cranberries are one of those bands where outside of Dolores O'Riordan you don't know anybody's name. Mm-mm. Like I have no idea like that guitarist could have been the best guitarist in the 90s. I have no fucking right. idea what his name
2: There's is. There's probably a Colin in the band. It has to be Leary, a Colin. Yeah. A Hogan. A Declan maybe. A Declan absolutely. That'd be cool. All right, here it is. Great song. It's an important song, and it is the first single off uh, this album. And it reached number one on the charts in Australia, Belgium, France, Denmark, and Germany, and was a huge hit here in the states on MTV and on rock radio, and I think pop radio. Mm -hmm. I think it just well. When you saw eighteen million copies, yeah, you're you're uh, you're across the board. (laughs) You are checking a lot of motherfucking boxes. I mean, how many castles in Ireland does eighteen million? Albums, 18 million units shifted.
1: You become the king of Ireland. That's it. That's it.
2: That Dolores, I wish you were still here. Should have been soaking that up for 50 more years. Here we go. Next track, Empty. This is a grunge album,
1: <laughs> but it's also like a like a Not even like a like a Liz this predated it's like a Liz right? Liz Fair album, yeah.
2: Released September nineteenth, ninety four, zombie single, which twenty five years ago. Last week, at the time of this taping. Hey, but we are getting old. Yeah, no, and happening. It's happening. Unbelievable.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, what were we going to talk about at the beginning? Oh, your fight. So. Incredible, incredible story, um, and background. This guy Dave never got along with him. Neither well, of us got along with him. Right. But for whatever reason, and fill in the blanks if I'm missing something, um, your relationship with him soured to the point that there was a fight, and it, the the actual playground brawl was preceded by a phone call. Well,
1: there was a lot even before that. Let's start at at the beginning. Actually, she's already come up in this podcast. Stephanie, the girl that both... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, fill in the blank. That's where it all began. Now I got you. So Stephanie was... So in ninth grade, there were a bunch of new people that came into our school. Right. People would move from the Bronx. They would come from the Catholic schools. Right. Stephanie was one of the new girls in the school. Immediately she became one of our friends It was like me, you, Stephanie, a few other girls mm-hmm. Stephanie and I immediately had this connection mm-hmm. Both like Green Day, that was big That was huge It was big, we both had like Kerplunk, big You know, we there liked like Green Day, Green Day Yes So when it was time for Homecoming asked. Did you her,
2: get Kerplunk because she had it? No, or did you already no had I was it? into Green Day well, so it was meant to be It was
1: meant to be I asked her to uh, the Homecoming dance She said yes, she was my date to Homecoming recall that sometime shortly thereafter separated you know (laughs) went our separate ways separate separated filed the divorce
2: (laughs) kids we're gonna be taking some time Um, apart
1: but it wasn't uh yeah i'm trying to remember the details as i'm saying this i know we like weren't together but we were still like kind of together so one day we had this kind of bigger group of friends the story's
2: hilarious, by the way. Dave, We were uh, still kind of together. What does that even mean? I don't even know
1: what it means. But um, <laughs> her and Dave went out to uh, to a movie as friends. So was she two-timing you in the scenario? No, I knew it was happening. Like I think a lot of people were supposed to go, but in the end, only her and Dave went to oh, this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. And according to Stephanie... What a coincidence. According to Stephanie, during this movie, at a certain point, right. she yawned. She
2: yawned, yes. And as
1: she yawned, Dave leaned and then, over... And stuck his tongue in her mouth.
2: That was the story. Which
1: 2019? Hey, listen, that's, that's problematic. That sexual assault, bro. <laughs> but 1994, it was just like, wait, what happened? <laughs> right. So, um, but how does it elevate? Well, she was my girl, even though she wasn't my girl. She, but she wasn't was, your girl. She was right enough. now. What I heard of the
2: story, uh, leave out the um, aggressive advance by Dave. I don't think he had done anything wrong at this point.
1: She was enough of my girl where she was like, Dave did this and it's not okay kind of thing. And I was like, what the fuck, bro?
2: That's definitely not how it was, but
1: go ahead. Uh, No, but I had to defend her honor. So. um, Oh, my God. I called Dave. I I wonder
2: if this sounded this stupid... 25 years. No, there's yeah. nothing
1: bigger at the time than this, this kind of thing. I called Dave. You were on the other line, I think, right? I
2: was. I was listening. It was actually a three way call because so I remember exactly where I was. <laughs> Wait, we knew how
1: to three way call in 1994? We did. That's I was, impressive. I was
2: in my bedroom in Pearl River. I mean, at my parents' house. Um, and you were at your house because you were recording the call on your answering machine.
1: Yes, I used the answering machine to record. We it.
2: listened to it many times. Like it was uh, some type of Nixon it was uh, like tapes the- or something. <laughs>
1: We are idiots. That's right. I recorded it on my answering machine in my mom's room. Yeah. And uh, the purpose of the call. Oh, you're gone. The purpose of the call was to incite Dave to fight. It was like, call him yes. out for what he did and just get him to fight. Right. And that's what we did. That's what I did. He didn't know you were there.
2: You as now as someone um, just listening you made a comment about his sister. Right. His fraternal was, twin sister. Yes. Well, yeah. Things, which was out of bounds.
1: I made an out of bounds comment to get him to that point.
2: Yeah. It was something about her. No,
1: it was bad.
2: Yeah. It was something that you shouldn't have said. Mostly, and it was wrong. Yeah. Now, you were <laughs> instigating. So, you weren't doing it. You weren't trying to be malicious. You were just trying to get things going. But it was wrong. And it's what sent him over the edge. You That's said right. something very rude. That led to him saying the iconic line Oh that's oh,
1: it. you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Yeah, for some Not reason, gone. Not gone. You're gone. gone. And that was it. So we set the date. We were like next Saturday at Franklin Avenue Playground, our elementary school.
2: Let's listen to a little bit of everything I said, We have first. to.
1: That's nice It's nice
2: Okay, go on
1: Not my cup of tea But it's nice alright, yep Yeah uh, So we set the date Where we're like Next Saturday Playground Let's do it And uh, It was very formal It was very formal Yeah So then for like The next week I was like In my room doing push-ups <laughs> To uh, Tom Petty's Greatest Hits I still remember that just, you put like, the devil sticks away. Put the devil said, sticks away. I was like, it's time to fucking fitness. get ready for this. It Was like shadow boxing in my room. I think I even like I didn't tell my parents that I was getting in a fight, but I remember talking to my dad who like had, you know, like boxed in high school or whatever. I was right. like, How do you throw a punch? Like I had done believe me, I had done years of karate, I knew what I was doing. But you should this have was have like, told him, he probably would have been cool with it. I probably should have, yeah. But I was like getting ready for this fight. And uh should we go to the next song? <laughs> Yeah, keep going. So the um, so Saturday comes, and you and I, of course, had many conversations about the fight that was about Endless to happen. We let all of our we had all the same friends. So Dave and I let all of our mutual friends know like this was happening.
2: Right, and everyone showed up. Everyone showed up. Bunch and of losers, to see it.
1: What else are you doing on a Saturday bunch afternoon? Bunch of C-listers at 14. <laughs> so um, bunch of
2: Barry Horowitzes show up.
1: So we had decided. Of course, like you had to be prominently involved as well. I was the manager. This was my fight, so you were my manager.
2: I was the Jimmy, the mouth of the South character. So
1: you, um, I think you had like Bret Hart sunglasses that you wore.
2: Yep, I had the Hitman glasses.
1: And uh, batting gloves you put on.
2: Batting gloves. And we had some leftover, um, what are those, what's the Hanukkah candy? Gelt. People are into. Gelt. And we took the wrappers I mean, and fashioned them into brass knuckles. Oh, because he
1: had said on that phone call, <laughs> oh, yeah. during the phone call, he was like, "Okay, let's do this Saturday. No, you know, no, <laughs> no brass weapons. knuckles, no weapons," <laughs> <laughs> which we thought was the funniest fucking thing ever.
2: No weapons. <laughs> like I was going to. Where sh- would one even acquire? Like I
1: was going to show up like West Side Story with like a switchblade.
2: Well, in his defense, in Dave's defense, and this is the icicle melt. In Dave's defense, there was an incident, a prominent incident, uh, in our town a couple years earlier involving um, a kid about a grade above us. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, middle school, yeah.
2: That a, someone in his class, in a very similar situation in terms of uh, there was bad blood, showed up at the kid's house and punched him with brass knuckles, as legend has it. Right. I don't know if I believe that, but that was the story, that this particular um, youth, this ruffian, showed up at the kid's house and just clocked him with brass knuckles. That must have been rattling around in Dave's head. Maybe. And led to his commentary. Maybe he was under the assumption that all brawls in Pearl River feature some type of contraband. Maybe he knew I
1: had a pair of nunchucks that I was going to smuggle in. I don't know. I was just going to show up with some Chinese stars.
2: But you didn't. We, But we mocked him for we that. We mocked him for that. What were, were they called? Gels? Gelt. Gelt.
1: That, see, that's going to be what brings you down. That's your Shane Gillis moment.
2: No, my <laughs> ignorance of Jewish candies is not going to end my career. Everybody
1: needs to know Jewish candies. <laughs> so uh, you were my manager. Our friend Kevin... Was my bodyguard
2: Yeah but I remember Kevin was kind of Playing both sides Of the fence As I
1: recall No Kevin was He was—he came We all met at your house Kevin was wearing A black Some people
2: t-shirt. were Playing both sides Of the Some fence Some
1: people were But Kevin was Wearing a black t-shirt Yes you're right Yeah okay, Kevin was my back. Kevin was my bodyguard Kevin was with us He and turned
2: against us Later on In life right yeah.
1: But I think So when we went Down to the playground did we have a which boom- was,
2: by the way, a disappointment, which is also the name of the song by the Cranberries. Nicely done. We just powered through the middle we, of this album.
1: We went down to the playground. I think we had a boombox because I think we played music as we, we arrived.
2: Did, I mean, just total troll job. This was trolling before trolling was a term. Yeah, we let Dave know yeah. like this
1: fight was happening, but we're we also think so little of you we're gonna make a <laughs> mockery of this. Meanwhile, I was like about to get in my first ever fist fight. Yeah,
2: I would imagine you were super nervous. You were because I remember leading up to it. We were both nervous. It was a pretty big deal. It was a big deal.
1: I was defending the honor of like a girl.
2: That's all ridiculous. Kind of my girl. She wasn't your girl.
1: She was kind of my girl.
2: Let's go over again what why Dave was actually the face and you were the heel here. Right. It wasn't really no, your girlfriend. No, no, friend. no.
1: I was the face. B,
2: he denied the tongue kit, the tongue uh yawn thing. He said it didn't go go that way. So you were essentially just taking her word over his word.
1: Yeah, cuz I believe women, Dan. And then <laughs> I believe women, believe all women.
2: And then three, speaking of women, you said something very inappropriate about his sister, who should have been off limits. You have a sister, Bob. I have a sister. The sisters should never be brought up in any capacity, uh, regardless of how you feel about this individual. That was wrong.
1: I never knew you were so pro-sister, but you're not wrong. But you're well, very, no, I just mean you're very and pro-sister. And in this just in
2: terms of like how these things with boys and right. adolescence and right. fighting, you never bring a sister into it. So he had every reason to pound your ass. And I'm not sure if you really.
1: No, no, I was the good guy. I was the reason the good I guy. think
2: you were. Another term that didn't exist then, but now it does. You were butt hurt because Stephanie kind of was. She was moving around at that time because I was briefly her boyfriend for probably about 72 hours. Right. She bounced around, um, not like in a loose way. She wasn't actually doing anything with anyone, but. I think you were upset that she had moved on from you and you took that anger and put it upon Dave.
1: Oh, no, I don't think that was it. Cause no, <laughs> as you were, as you were just like babbling that bullshit, I was thinking about <laughs> knowing Pulp Fiction came out in October. When is homecoming Homecoming's October too, right?
2: Uh, it's early October. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that around that time I had moved on to Carrie, who was like a whole other person.
2: <laughs> yes, she
1: is. There you go. Um, Later, the subject of a numeric pigeon song, but again, not something we want to talk about not on the right podcast. Now. Um, but like the way that uh, I remember Stephanie felt about that moment, it was like, why? How could you do this to anybody? One of my friends, even. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of tasked with that by her, which, you know. In retrospect, totally just being manipulated by yeah. a young girl. It was a
2: setup. A <laughs> total setup.
1: But she was upset. He did this. And uh let's put a
2: bow in the story,
1: Bob. Dave and I well, we're not even close to the bow yet. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Talk about what was icicles melting? Come on. You really want to have more well, to say gonna, about well, that?
2: Well, and for Bruno's sake, we've now gone through about four or five songs. <laughs> and there's a song that I, I enjoy next, so I I think maybe either we we, we say Yeah, let's put a pin in it. To be continued. Pin it.
1: yeah. So we'll get to the fight when we get back after the song, the download, or maybe
2: next week's episode. <laughs> Just and you let us know if you even. This is actually a good idea, Bob. They
1: need to know how the listeners.
2: Fight. No, you've heard the big. You've <laughs> heard the setup to the fight. Let us know if you want to hear the rest of the story, or and the people on subreddit as well at Throwback Throwback Pod. Um, let us know if you want to hear the rest of the Dave Bob fight story.
1: I am going to fight you. <laughs> Because right now you've painted me as the heel of this story, and we need to take I, it I certainly its- not,
2: and I supported you then, Bob, and I would support you again if the same thing happened. But in retrospect, I wouldn't say you were in the right. I think you, <laughs> you essentially made that fight happen. And I don't know if it was, Dave was just caught up in your adolescent angst about this girl that had moved on.
1: Wow. You're so off. You know
2: I'm right. <laughs> you really were protecting her honor?
1: I was. I was an honorable young man.
2: Let me tell you something, Bob. She didn't leave the movie theater.
1: She called me that night very upset. Oh,
2: she did not. She did. You're, now you're just making stuff up. All right. This is uh, Ridiculous Thoughts. This, oh, is, this is a This is such a Let's good song.
1: It. Yeah. It's a ridiculous <laughs> thought that you had. I'm fucking guilty <laughs> in this.
2: Like, if she slapped him in the face, stormed out of the theater, showed up at the at your front door in the pouring rain, <laughs> and when you answered the door, uh, she was like, oh, Bob. I think and she told you the story. She's
1: like, please avenge me. Your willingness to brush this under the rug is why we got to these problems that we had here in Hollywood with the Me Too movement. So happy, oh. na,
0: na, na, na. You're going to have to hold on. You're going to have to hold on. You're going to have to hold on i
1: Good, I love it I love her voice in this I like everything about this song
2: uh, It was the fourth single Fourth, oh, wow. No need to argue And uh, in North America It was the third single uh, I Can't Be With You Was released as the fourth single And uh, it had mild success in Ireland again Reached number 23
1: Hey Ireland, get behind your people I think, yeah It is
2: a little surprising You would think that every song Would go absolutely apeshit uh, in the homeland, but it had some success in the UK and US.
1: I remember this being a bigger song.
2: It got airplay.
1: Yeah, it definitely got airplay.
2: But yeah, I think they those zombie and do 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 were so huge yeah. that they got that Alanis pop where right. everything got play after. I like this
1: one. Yeah, I like this a lot. You know, every episode we pick one song to add to our Throwback Podcast playlist on Spotify. And this is this is checking some boxes for me right now.
2: Interesting. Hot to hold. Oh, she gets pumped up at the end. Yeah, of she gets oh, really cool.
1: pumped up.
0: Oh,
2: it's great!
1: So good.
2: I mean, again, oh, we even got some uh, brass in here. Um, it just all sounds so authentic. Her voice—you could tell she's, she means what she's saying. There
1: was like a moment there where she stopped singing and she was just kind of yelling about holding on.
2: Yeah, it was legit. Yeah. Hey, the video again—another Samuel Bayer j- joint. Features a young Elijah Wood who tries to follow some kind of radio signal, uh, which seems to be guided by O'Reardon's vo- voice, uh, Sam, come back to us, uh, all around the ruins of a building. O'Reardon stated that the band did not understand or identify with a concept that Bear had shown in the video, and thus they decided to redo it mixing the original tape with live footage from their American tour. I wonder how often that happens. I feel like it probably happens a lot where it bands a decent amount. They yeah. just follow the director and say, all right, you you have a vision. It sounds weird, maybe cool. And then the video comes out and they're like, what the fuck is this?
1: Well, didn't the um, the Cardigans, Love Fool, I think is one of the most famous examples. If you watched the original video that they when shot. they're like
2: in the water, like a Castaways or something. Well, the,
1: the video that we all know is like she's in like a big seashell kind of. Thing. Yes. But the first video, it's like a crime like noir kind of thing. Really? Yeah. That sounds interesting. Dig it up. It's terrible. Oh, is it? it's one of these videos where you're like you don't even get a sense of like what the song is because you're watching this like dumb video.
2: Oh, you know, we we talk about nineties Mount Rushmore. Babe Alert?
1: Babe Alert, yeah.
2: Uh, what's her name? Nina? Nina.
1: Nina Pearson? Nina has to be in that conversation. Oh, for sure.
2: All right, here's Dreaming My Dreams. All right, they're back in their wheelhouse here, Bob. Let's listen to this.
0: Change my perspective in everywhere. Hey, these things count, mean so much to me. Into my fate, you and your baby. It's sad.
1: Okay, we're wrapping up the uh, the fight stuff because this was this was the most pivotal moment in both of our lives in the 1990s.
2: Why? No, I think we and have it perfectly set up. No, nope, no, nope, we're wrapping it up. Don't you want to hear how the people?
1: No, because uh,
2: I feel like we we could be wasting their time. Right nope,
1: now. I think that this has to happen now. <laughs> All right, we have to we have to tie it together. Go so ahead. So we get to the playground.
2: This should have never happened. This fight. Now that we're relitigating using, it.
1: Using the information we had in 1994, I was the good guy. <laughs> and this had to happen.
2: You were the Yokozuna, to <laughs> no, go back to I our wasn't. last episode. And Dave was Lex Luger, showing up on the helicopter, landing <laughs> on the deck of like the Intrepid. I don't like
1: revisionist history for <laughs> a moment that was, you know, shrouded where I was the hero, fighting <laughs> the bad man who... Forced himself did absolutely nothing wrong. <laughs> forced probably. himself on probably. You're right. Uh So we get to the playground. All of our friends are there. We make the big mockery of the arrival. Dave and I proceed to stand like a foot away from each other for like 15 minutes. It f- talking, 15
2: minutes, but it felt like about three years talking
1: shit to each other because neither of us were ready to make the first move because we were both good kids and like, all around. Yes, Dave all, was. Dave was like an honor student. Like so was I. Like we were both like good, decent human beings.
2: And all around you were. 14-year-old boys that just wanted to see something happen. Right. Yeah.
1: So at a certain point in this trash talk, I make the move where I yawn for the crowd. (laughs) More trolling. So I go to the crowd and I do a big... That's pretty good, Bob. I do a big... That's pretty good. I do a big yawn and I put my hand over my mouth. Oh, you're gone. And when I turn back, I am met with a left hook to my face.
2: Something that you had been asking for... For probably about four days at that point.
1: Yes. So Dave throws the first punch. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Dave throws the first punch. punch. And at this point, first fight ever, my immediate... Like, you don't know what you're going to be like in a fight. I grab him, and I pick him up, and I throw him to the ground. Like, I just kind of grab him, and I throw him to the ground.
2: I remember that. That is accurate.
1: And I get on top... Like, he's, like, face down on the ground, and I get on top of him from behind... And I probably throw like three or four punches to the back of his head.
2: Rabbit punch. It was
1: so quick. I mean, it was like he throws one punch. I grab him, throw him to the ground, jump on him and just like punch him like a rabbit, like three or four times to the back of the head. And then I get off him. And the second I get off him, he gets up and he runs away. And that was the end of it. And I remember just being like, I I like touch my face. My lip is bleeding. A
2: couple of his cronies, I remember running with him as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he runs off. I remember touching my face, and there's like, my lip is bleeding.
2: He didn't, like, run away?
1: He scurried. He was gone. Like, when I got... But he
2: made a beeline. Yeah,
1: when I got up, he was gone. Like, there was no more fighting. Like, it was over. Like, that was it. So uh, I remember just being really disappointed. Like, holy shit, that was it? Like, that was the fight. Like, and I have a bloody lip, and, like, I'm going to have a fat lip. And it was but like, he
2: ran away. So I feel like even that, remember, yes, you were very nervous that you would show up to school and your face would be jacked up. But you had, you had witnesses on your side. Like this kid wrestled on the ground with you for 45 seconds and then ran home.
1: Yeah, but I was still like, I'm the one that's going to have the fat lip the next day.
2: But it was a testament to what you were saying that you were both... Neither of you kids were ruffians. You were mm-hmm. just, you were good, like, boys. Yep. And maybe the gravity of the moment, at the, you know, he, he realized it. Or maybe he was in pain.
1: Well, so then we take off. So we leave. We take off. It's over. Fight's over. Gave the fans what they wanted. <laughs> and uh, Helicopter
2: takes Dave back to his house, and I, we walk away.
1: Remember, me, you, and Kevin got on our bikes, and we rode all the way to, like, my mom was doing a craft show in somewhere in Pearl River. For some reason, that was our next stop. Gotta get to the craft show. Gotta get to the craft show. If you go to the craft show, we... uh, There's
2: some real good, like, leather um, uh, wristbands and some beads to wear.
1: We dropped 25 cents to do a payphone to call our friend Jeanette, where we hear the news... Oh, you're Where we hear the news that Dave was in the hospital because his arm or wrist was broken.
2: Right. Now, again, let's make it clear that you did not... Performed some incredible wrestling move to break his wrist.
1: I, th- I think he landed on his wrist wrong.
2: When you guys went to the ground, right? He fell on his wrist yeah, awkwardly. Yeah. So yeah. now, if you were, uh, if you were, if it was, was a my, fight, that was and,
1: my intention the whole time.
2: If you were, if you had Mills Lane or a college wrestling uh, judge there, I don't know if you're getting points for the injury. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you performed a move that injured his wrist. That was kind of in the scrum as you guys collapsed to the ground. Together. It was.
1: It was in a collapse. It was a pretty brutal takedown. Like if was, if this was MMA, like Joe Rogan would be like, "Oh, look at that! That was a brutal takedown."
2: He punched was. you, and then you kind of rushed at him.
1: I grabbed him. Yeah.
2: And then you guys both kind of crashed to the ground together. That's how I remember
1: it. I took him to the ground. We didn't crash to the ground. Ground implies that like we fell to the You're, ground together. Okay.
2: I'll listen. I, I will defer I, to you on this.
1: I ended up on top. Which was...
2: That's right, you guys started fucking. And we were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Yeah,
1: make love, make love. (laughs) It was a really weird fight. But it was the 90s. It was just what people did back then.
2: Safe sex, man.
1: Where are we in this album?
2: (laughs) Uh, We are in the penultimate, um, on the penultimate track, Daffodil Lament.
1: I hope you're enjoying this, Bruno.
2: Now, we should check it back in with this album. And that was it. Dave was in a cast for... Four to six weeks, right? Yep.
1: And when we got back to school, he told everybody that he broke his wrist punching me, and I said that was bullshit because he only got one punch in and it wasn't. But it could be true. No, it was. Could not, be true. There's no way it was true.
2: I'm just playing devil's advocate here. It could have been because if you don't, he no, barely connected. Bar- with,
1: he connected with my lip. You can't break a wrist punching somebody.
2: It's well known though. If you don't know how to throw a punch, you could easily break your hand. I believe throwing a punch.
1: I believe to this day. 25 years later it had to have happened when we went to the ground
2: you, so you don't you wouldn't say that that fight was a draw
1: I mean it was barely a fight right so um, no I'll no.
2: say this you acquitted yourself well you didn't you're not the one that ran away you started the fight you incited the no, violence no,
1: Dave Dave started it with the, well you
2: started the fact that it, how it led to that moment and when he punched you 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 fought back. Uh which not everyone would do. So I want to tell you that I have respect for you for how you did
1: it. My fucking manager. You better have respect (laughs) for me.
2: (laughs) Well, I was just taking half the gate, so I didn't (laughs) give a shit who won. I've Um, never never seen my half. I will say that um, as we look back on it, this retrospective 25 years later.
1: (laughs) We should do an oral history and get Dave on the phone.
2: (laughs) How how you got to the playground wasn't a good look. It, It kind of. It kind of does follow the path of how you and I were actually assholes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah during that, that portion is, when, when we were right. teenagers,
2: trying to figure out like how how are you funny? How do you fit in? How do you kind of make yourself seem different? Sometimes we would resort to things that were just kind of maybe not so nice to other people. Hmm. We we're like evil or no, them. not at
1: all. We were just fucking weird fourteen year olds.
2: Right. Trying to be funny, uh funny guys. Mostly funny guys. Yeah. Uh, and mostly harmless But sometimes it could be dicks And not think about that So that part of the story Not great But I, I think there was A certain bravery To follow following through With the fight
1: With the information I had at the time And again we're relitigating it now So it does seem pretty ridiculous But with the information I had at the time With this girl Who I had feelings for In some way or another I felt like I was doing The right thing the whole time I never felt like I was in the wrong. <laughs>
2: Which is great. It's such a, like, it is such a 14-year-old thing. And I feel like thing.
1: most of the people that were there thought I was in the right due to the information that was being relayed. I right. felt like I was the hero in the moment. 25 years later... Everyone's the
2: hero of their own story. You know, 25
1: years later, it's questionable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's to me like the most fascinating part of the story is what is what really happened right, at the movie theater. Right. Because... If she wasn't truthful,
1: oh, everything
2: is built on a lie. The foundation cannot hold. (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder if she had any guilt. Let's say, let's say, Bob, let's say she kissed Dave back. Let's say the whole yawning thing. Maybe she did yawn, but she kissed him back. But it was
1: like a welcome lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I wonder how she felt when you showed up at school at the fat lip and Dave was in a cast.
1: And she was responsible for all Directly. of that.
2: Not indirectly.
1: No. But they say
2: it'll work out we found the villain. It took time. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, blame the woman. <laughs> time stays still. There in it the is. That's,
1: that's the moment that ruins your career. We found it.
2: <laughs> uh, isolate that quote. All right, this is the final track. It is, hey, Bob, you know, I like it. A nice, low-key, almost like a hymn Close out an album. No Need to Argue is the name of the song, also the name of the album. Love that. So as a as a full album, and I know we kind of got caught up with that fight story, um, it sounds like in some ways good homework music, the back end of the album.
1: Ooh, that's a good way to describe it, yeah.
2: No, not, not a lot of earworms a lot of kind of um, album tracks, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but it still has these home run singles. Uh, I mean, count them off. Ode to My Family, I Can't Be With You, Zombie, Ridiculous Thoughts, anchor the whole thing, and then you have kind of these more low-key ballad-type songs filling out the rest of it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it could have been in a band where they never resonated overseas and they were just something for a local audience over in Ireland, but because of those gigantic singles, they crossed over in a huge way.
2: And I think she struggled with some mental health issues in the, and this happens a lot when you set, when an artist goes this huge, they deal with major shit in their life as a result, because everything changes. And she had issues. Um, uh, I work with someone who, Worked with her indirectly, and not a very pleasant person at this time in this era. Uh, maybe because she was just not handling the absurd amount of fame and uh, notoriety that she had at that point in her life. And now she's no longer with us. That's very sad. And there's, by the way, a lot on our on our throwback podcast playlist. A lot of dead people. Yeah. So we're adding another one. Actually, Linger is on this playlist. Linger is on the playlist. So we'll have our second Cranberry song.
1: It is crazy to think, though, like it's a testament to the band that Linger might be their most famous song 25 years later. And it's not even on their album that sold 18 million Mm -hmm. copies.
2: Right. Yeah, the previous album has Linger and also Dreams, which is an absolutely incredible single as well. Uh things got a little touch and go after that. Remember Salvation was the lead single. That was a cool song. Yeah, that but that was my um That was, was like the her yelling that you don't really, right? When they tried to leave the comfort zone the zombie. it was, was kind of right. hit or miss. That felt a little bit of a miss for me. But all right, let's pick a song, Bob, from uh, No Need to Before
1: we do that, let's thank Bruno one more time and all of our Patreonies. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. Courtney and Wyatt are other top tier sponsors. You guys are next. So start thinking about albums to throw on a list to have the other Patreonies vote for. Good call, Bob. Yeah.
2: All right. I think I know what your pick is. I want to hear it. And if I agree with you, because I have one that I, I'm kind of into, but I can easily be swayed to your direction. What would be your choice?
1: I think you're into track too. And I'm a little into ridiculous thoughts. Yeah. Am I right? Yep. Yeah.
2: But I'm I, I can do ridiculous thoughts. I could do track
1: two. I liked hearing that. I haven't heard that in years and years. I really. There's no wrong way to go here. I'm happy either way. I like that it. Right? Yeah, you went with you, of course.
2: Or do you want it to be this? The song takes about a minute to warm up. It's true. Once it does, it's a house of fire. The
1: the ending of Ridiculous Thoughts is so good. We're losing it.
2: All right. Here's here's the chorus.
1: Oh, I like that a lot. All right. Let's do it. Let's go with it. Let's Let's, do it. Yeah. All right. All
2: right. right, There you go. I Can't Be With You is the latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist, which you can get, yes, on Spotify, but also Apple Music. Um, check it out it's a great playlist follow us on Twitter at throwbackpod Instagram at throwbackpod we have a subreddit
1: r throwbackpod
2: r slash throwbackpod and even we have a gmail account which seems quaint in 2019 but Bob uh, he every day every hour actually he checks in on it it's not true and if you have some type of childhood horror that you've been trying to talk to somebody about but no one's there for you Bob is Bob's there for you.
1: If I don't respond right away, uh, it's because what Dan is saying is a lie, so don't take it personally, but I will get to you eventually.
2: Stand with Dave.
1: Oh, come on. No, don't do that. I'm the good guy. I'm the hero.